On this episode of the Wusos podcast, we're meeting up with Sam Miltich of the Clearwater Hot Club. Sam Miltich, not Militich. Whatever you want. Miltich, yes. <laughs> sign the check right. And then all, all the friends in the Hot Club of Duluth, Vaco Lapisto. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Jimmy Cooper. Hey, yo. Aaron Bergsman. Hey. And Eli Bissonette. Howdy. I brought this up before, but... We gotta get down to the spelling of this name conundrum. M I L. You choose. Oh yeah. <laughs> you take it from you, there. Yeah. Just love adventure. Just... <laughs> I, I on the poster I I spelt it wrong. Right. Which is normal for me. Sure. <laughs> but uh, Paul Lundgren noticed it and uh, Perfect Delusion added. He sent me a message saying. I've seen this several ways, <laughs> but I've never seen it this way. Right. <laughs> so we, He's unique. <laughs> you got the same question from me when you're at that. That's right. I wasn't sure what to, what do I put on the poster? <laughs> Take your choice. Well, how, how did this happen? Was this Vaco's idea? This is Vaco. Well, we had started playing at the Raskeller, and Sam actually sent me a message via Facebook. Yeah. He said it was interesting, because we'd known Sam for a while, and he said, well, I'd like to do a gig with you. I said, well, that would be great. Then I asked all these guys, they go, okay, Sam Miltich, uh, yeah, we better practice. And hit up Jason, he's like, that's a great idea. You're always positive, amazingly positive attitude, and you made it happen, man. Well, little email, little, mm, little, 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 uh, I'm little super, excited, super excited for the show. So yeah. I thought it would just be fun since this has never happened, this hot club grand melting pot thing going on here and I just get you guys all down here and talk about a little jazz and uh I don't know I was thinking about a bunch of stuff because uh, Sam played with the hot club San Francisco hot club for a yeah. little bit huh yeah that's right yeah I played with those guys for uh close to three years and sat in the rhythm guitar chair and just kind of soaked up the wisdom of those cats who had been doing it for years and years you know and the different opportunities that arose with the people that they knew and and played with and so yeah that was and just an incredible education. Did did you do you know those guys from? Oh, yeah, okay. I've met the bass player. I forgot his name. Now you're talking about. Oh, we're talking about Josh Workman. I yeah, think. Yeah, Josh Workman. I've I've met him in the past. Man, is, is he like the band leader? Or? I don't even. Uh, know. Workman was. Josh and I were uh, both rhythm guitar players, and he was involved in kind of the same scene that Vaco was down in Los Angeles in the kind of the swing. Swing stuff. Yeah. yeah, and rockabilly stuff. You know, in like late '90s. Yeah. Kind yeah. of deal. But the the leader of that group was named Paul Mailing, and then Eli and I were talking about Evan Price, who uh, is the violin player in that group, who's just the best of the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm I'm not blowing smoke when I say that. I would go see him if they were coming through town. Yeah. Oh God, yes! Wow, well, absolutely, man. <laughs> Maybe here. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah man. No, yeah. Well, let's get get the investment, man. Yeah, Some, sometimes it's a cancellation of a venue, and then you get that call on a day's notice. So maybe it's like, can you do this show tomorrow? I'd yeah. be like, yes. That's <laughs> yeah, happened to us a few times. Yeah, put it out there; it might yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Some of our best shows have been two days' notice. Like, not enough ticket sales at this venue. They're pulling the plug, but. We still want to do it, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone in here went to school for music. Is that true? Yes. Guilty. 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 No. Uh-oh. <laughs> I never went to school. <laughs> so you're you're free of the curses and or blessings of a full yeah, music education. And, and don't ask me to come on a job and just, like, read down a bunch of notation, man, because, like, I'm going to get fired. I'm, like, not that guy. I nah, I didn't go to school for music. Okay. Never went to school. That's interesting because I remember your first show here. Yeah. I think you are like, 19 maybe. Yeah, or 18. 18. And, yeah. And 
if I if I remember it right, didn't you say you didn't even start playing guitar till you were like fifteen? Yeah, or something? I I started kind of monkeying around when I was like thirteen and didn't get serious till I was about fifteen, and that's when I heard. Actually, I was just thinking about that. I, I listened to a guy named Howard Alden who played on the the movie Sweet and Low Down that uh, Woody Allen. I was Allen playing that did. soundtrack upstairs. Yeah, yeah, I was hearing it, man. And then they did uh, Django, and the opening credits was When Day Is Done, and so I listened to that. I was like. I got to do this, man. You know, I was super, super inspired. So yeah, I was, I remember it extremely well. It was December in, um, in 2003. Oh, really? That was my first 20 year anniversary. I guess you're right. Yeah. Oh, Oh, nice. (laughs) Cool. Well, we should make it an annual show now. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I love to. This is fun. I think the cool thing about jazz is it's not really about your academic prowess. The ultimate thing is do you swing or not? So they don't really care if you can have a PhD from, you know, Joe Schmo University of Awesomeness, but if you can't swing, you're not going to be on the stand that long. Joe Schmo School of Awesomeness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where's that? Yeah. I'm a dropout. U- University, of, <laughs> University of P.O. Box. Just couldn't hack the awesomeness. When I was in, working in Lele, that was the experience, you know, is you would have guys, street players, but they could just swing their freaking asses off, man. We no doubt. Used to do the a rehearsal band called the Gus Ramos Band, which is a kind of a descendant. It was a great 40s band called the Casa Loma Orchestra. It was a big, really popular big band. And a lot of the older guys, they, they're they just street players, man. They could, they've played the song Goblin Market so many freaking times over the last 40 years that it's just memorized, you know, but they swing their asses off. I remember hearing a story about the Duke Ellington Orchestra. I can't remember who it was. This is a prison that I know that was at uh, a performance in the 1950s and they're on the balcony, and they looked down on the, the bandstand from behind. Right. And looked on the uh, the music stands. There's no music sitting there. <laughs> Just, uh, and that's really where you internalize that thing because it's, it's yeah. swing is feel. Yeah, yeah. You it's know. hard to read charts and swing. Yeah, yeah. You know, the formal musication is very can be very regimented and stuff. You know, because it's all based on classical theory and stuff. So it's you know eins zwei eins zwei. But it's you know which is you can notate that, but it's not really like that. You yeah, know, no. it's a feel. Yep. AI will not replace us. No, that's right. That's right. <laughs> how did how did you get hooked up with this, Darren? Well, started playing at Rascal last December. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Billy played a few shows. Yeah. I'd, I'd been subbing for Billy for a while. Okay. They, you, they'd been playing as a trio. Billy, Billy and Eli Bernard. and yeah. Billy Bernard yeah. for a trio for six, seven years. Something. Yeah, it was about well, five years. We were there. I subbed, subbed a few times, and Billy Billy backed away and. Uh, it took me a while to to get in, but Jimmy yeah. and I kind of joined last January after Billy. Yeah, kind of left. He's back yeah, kind yeah, of semi-retired. Yeah. It's almost like a different band, though. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, I guess it's a. It has changed. A, a, the, yeah. the next generation, or yeah, whatever. we retained a lot of the gypsy jazz stuff. Billy's, you know, the past master because he knows like every song ever recorded and stuff. We're you know doing seventies light rock and more later date swing tunes and stuff. So. Originally, when we put together, I really wanted to focus on this style of music because I know that's the best. Because uh, I know it's the best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With what you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but Billy was Billy was always kind of temperate there because he's the he's the ultimate professional musician, man. He knows how to read a room like nobody else does. So, you know, those things that you're selling, and I'm sure he told you guys too, you're selling memories mm-hmm. when you're, you're playing. So he was really good like that. He could always get a crowd to bring a tear to her eye. So, but when he, he semi-retired, basically. I would kind of refocus this. We had a gig at the Rascaller and asked Jimmy, because Jimmy's playing with us in Woodblind, and said, oh, I'd really like to make it a quartet. 
So I hit up Darren, and it, it just kind of clicked, man. We've been there for it is, next Tuesday is our one year anniversary. Oh, mm-hmm. and it's fun because Darren and I both, you know, studied with Billy, and yep. we and also Lou are both that. from Bemidji, so we both studied with Lou Samza there. Oh, do you know Lou? And they worship at the statue of the giant Paul Bunyan. They drank the same water. Yeah, I gotta same say that boy. I was like, when I found out that these guys were playing, I was like. Another hot club in northern Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> More opportunities to play mm-hmm. this awesome music, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like when you're, I mean, you remember back in the day, man, it was like, it was like a, a struggle to find people who even knew who Django Reinhardt was. I mean, it, exactly. it was like a select few that were digging that music and it was not readily available. It's not like you could, I mean, before YouTube. I'm, I'm going to say I'm dating all of us when I say it was before things like YouTube and mm-hmm. uh and God forbid Spotify. But yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's just. Uh, what do you mean, Sam? Here's your two cents for your million spin. <laughs> I, I thought it was. I, I thought it was like, one point five or something. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it was just hard to find people to play with, and it was hard to find recordings. You know, I remember finding some CDs, and you know, I found the, I got these instructional VHS tapes from the the leader of the Hot Club of San Francisco, and just trying to figure out how to play this music, where to listen to it was really hard. And so the fact that it's like living and, um, you know, there's a, a vibrant community in Minnesota. There's a lot of great players down in Minneapolis that are yeah, playing yeah, right now. The, um, Gentlemen's Anti-Temperance League. Yes. They're really... Oh, wa- yeah, we played their album release. Yeah, watch, yep. them, watch them grow. Yeah. I have to say the bass player is like, he was playing electric bass at Get an Upright Bass Kid. <laughs> yeah. First thing I said to him, Get an Upright Bass Kid. Yes. He since has. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's just I think it's fantastic that we're there's a scene that's being created here in northern Minnesota in our region and it's a very fortunate and lucky thing that we're all hanging out in this room together and that we get to play some music together here before long. It's going to it's kind of thrilling. Well, I'm thinking finding is it's really it's finding a home here. You know, people really much enjoy this. It's unique. We were talking earlier about when you when you put the word gypsy in front of jazz, everybody digs it. But if you just put jazz, it's like, they think it's, you know, like late Coltrane or something, which is awesome. But, you know, hum me a melody, right? Yeah. 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 So <laughs> that's like when I was in New Orleans and Tina was like, I don't like jazz. And, and then we're listening to Tuba Skinny and yeah. she's like, is this jazz? I'm like, yeah. She's like, maybe I like jazz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Well, because the style has a hundred over a hundred year history yeah, now. Yeah, there's lots of kinds. So there's lots of kinds, you know, yeah. and it's easy to get stuck in the weeds. Yeah. Because like in jazz school, you'll you know you learn fifties and sixties jazz blue notes, kind of the emphasis right. on that, because that's really the, one of the high forms. And a lot of the earlier styles are kind of brushed aside. Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually I've always felt like you know in terms of jazz education, I mean, one guy that I really do dig a lot. I mean, it, it's it's controversial for some people, but I like Wynton Marsalis. Sure. Because he really digs deep into the old, the older repertoire, and uh, really gives credence to uh, the history of yeah. jazz and the birth of it in New Orleans and stuff. And yeah. so, I've always appreciated. He's very he has very strong opinions, and I get that. And that's that's perfectly fine because you know if you're a musical genius that can play like that, you get to have those opinions. But I love the fact that he emphasized that. Yeah. That earlier vein of playing and that you were talking about this, Faco, you're talking about the swing feel. Yeah. And right. I think that's like so fundamental. And that comes out of, you know, listening to the hot fives and hot sevens yeah. and the Kansas City six and seven recordings and listening to Pops Foster and Walter Page yeah, yeah. and some of that earlier stuff. And um, Louis Armstrong. That's like, what, and he, Louis Armstrong. He really re-lionized Louis Armstrong. Exactly. You know, because like. When Miles said, "No he, no me, man." I mean, that guy was such a groundbreaker. He brought, really brought jazz to 
the greater society and was That's accepted right. at it in That's a time right. when that was almost impossible. And to bring it back to Django, I mean, that was that was Django's great influence yeah. was Louis Armstrong. That was Django's. That's my favorite. I mean, how can you argue with it? It's yeah. brilliant, and and it's so incredibly melodic. You know. Yeah. It just. It's just, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. It kind of defies words. When you were down in Northern Suck, I tried to hit them to Tuba Skinny. Oh, yeah. It's a real trad band. They're really, really good. I didn't know that Tina, I think I like jazz now. Yeah, next thing she, someone grabbed her and she's dancing. And Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's a tradition, you know, with Royal Crown, we got to share some of that, like Lindy hopping and stuff. But later jazz, it kind of forgot that was you could dance to jazz. They, 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 I, they had, music. like, professional dancers that showed up. I, I was like everyone came in and it was like no one was in this bar and now a hundred fashionable people are dancing like I'm in a movie. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what is going on? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's great to see that. And then young people too, not just a bunch of old gray hairs, but young people. Yeah, that's right. Twenties and thirties. Oh yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was it was a very mixed crowd, but yeah. yeah. Were you going to like a DBA or one of those places? No, I was on Frenchman. Frenchman's yeah, probably some... DBA or one of those places. Right after my dad died, I went down. I have some friends down there, and went and hung out. And uh, Frenchman Street had just kind of happening after Katrina happened. So, a buddy of mine, Monty Banks, dragged me down there, and we saw two of these kids. I was blown away. It's like here's these twenty year olds, and it's you know it it sounds it sounds like Buddy Bolden yeah. on trumpet and yeah, stuff. Right on. Know, down yeah. to like sitting down. It's hot. They're drinking Sazeracs and wiping their faces off, and then it'll rip some solo. It, it was really amazing. It was like a, going back in time. Yeah, it's super I, good. I think the other thing about you know hot club music in particular is I think it's also very accessible and and even though it's uh, you know its origins are a European art form with Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli, I think it's really accessible to Americans for this reason. It's guitar band music. Yeah, yeah. it's three guitars, you know, and it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's so it's very accessible and it's very melodic solos, right? Yeah. You know, we have a set of relatively. I'm not going to say simple changes because they're not simple, but they're very approachable because right. it's the, you know, there's a lot of circle of fifths going on and it, it pulls the ear and people listen to it. I can't tell you how many times I've played with Hot Club of San Francisco or the Clearwater Hot Club or different groups and they'll say, you know, I don't like jazz, but I really like what you guys do. And I always have to say, well, I hate to break it to you, but this is a form of jazz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's swinging and we're improvising. So I'm going to think we can safely say that this is in the jazz realm. Yeah. So, the cool thing about the air is it, the melodies are still really accessible and whistleable. The melodies they play are similar to the melodies that come on the head, so it yeah. still sticks in your head. It's there's a hook, even when you're soloing it, it being that's really a kind of in what they call in playing, yep. and that lends itself to like you can whistle these things, you know, and the, yep. the tunes, you know, like uh, Irving Berlin's song or whoever. Those are such great melodies when you play it in this style. It's just a almost a reinstatement of the melody itself, man. You can get away with that kind yeah, of Yeah, and your 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 repertoire is, you know, the 1920s, 30s, and 40s Great American Songbook. Yeah. That's what Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli were playing, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. Cole Porter, all these great, great Composers, exactly. Yeah, you know, they're yeah, largely forgotten. It's funny because many people, especially young people, know a lot of these songs. They just don't know the song. They've heard the song. They don't know the name. They don't know the name. Oh, I love that tune. Yeah. It's been in a movie or this. Yeah, in a movie or something. Yeah, this song was written 100 years ago. (laughs) You know, so it's really cool to see that happen when that light goes on. But then the hot club rhythm, I mean, it's it's like... It's like the four on the floor of its day, you know. A lot of people seem to think we have a drummer up there, yeah. too. Or yeah. Really, wasn't somebody asking about that? Yeah. Who's yeah, playing drums? Who's playing drums? I'm the drummer. That always happened with Woodblind, too. When yeah. we started as a duo, they're like, Where, where's your drummer? It's like, no, 
You're drummer. welcome. <laughs> it's, tr- it's infectious. It's true rhythm guitar, you know. I mean, it's a um, drummer is. I'm not gonna say we wouldn't invite them, but they're not necessary in the style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because th- you know this, and frankly, you know where that where that comes from is uh, with you know Django Reinhardt uh, in the quintet of the Hot Club of France is you know uh, Django was a Manouche Romani musician and. Uh, it's really hard to carry a drum set in a caravan. Like, no yeah. kidding. It yeah. was, this was string music to begin. Yeah. And it was violin instead of trumpet, and it was three guitars, and two of them were rhythm guitars. Because apparently the story is Django got jealous of Grappelli because he was like, you know, when you're soloing, you have me and the rhythm guitarist playing. He said, I want two rhythm guitars too. Right. <laughs> so they got like, a, they in that original quintet of the Hot Club of France, they actually had two rhythm guitars, Django, Stefan and then bass. So it that's was interesting. I never knew that was why, but that's yeah, yeah, makes sense when you he think just about got it. jealous. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want that some work too, man. Exactly. Yeah. He wanted that big fat sound. So. Well, hey, we get to we get to we're, we're doing we it. Tonight. We're, we're doing it. That tonight. Tonight. Awesome. This is the hot club of Wusos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought this is funny. Both you guys were out in LA playing jazz and now you're in Minnesota and I'm curious about the northern Minnesota hot club scene and hunting. Because <laughs> I keep seeing all your posts. Well, of... I, I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. That's like my other life. And I, I don't know what to say, but like wing shooting grouse and ducks and jazz are the same thing, which is it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Yeah, right. You got to keep the shotgun moving. You got to yeah. keep the music moving. It's all about swing. And for some reason, they're like the same thing in my brain. Yeah. Well, same as Eli. The movement. I love it. It's movement. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I grew up hunting and being in nature is part of music too i guess for me you know well that's that's a unique thing about northern minnesota especially is that people may be very progressive in their views they go deer hunting every year yes they you do know, it's like that's like california it's like eh, how does that work <laughs> you own a gun but you vote democratic all the time what <laughs> it's the truth i know it is i think that is a part of the tradition is we're such an outdoorsy group up here that yeah. was my thing. First time we played Bent Paddle, they did their first festiversary here in Duluth, and it was 38 degrees and snowing. And everybody's like, yeah, this is great. California, there'd be nobody there. <laughs> yeah. Or there'd be people like Parker's going, oh, what do we go? With me here's, here's like, there's guys in shorts and stuff. It's like, what? They'd be spun out in the ditch on the way here, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, like yeah. if I'd go to a gig in San Francisco, I, I wouldn't have a guy like Darren over here being like, well, how's your deer season, man? <laughs> like, because, you know, we were over by Bemidji and, you know, uh, we were having this experience. Well, over in Grand Rapids, you know, the rut was a little bit late this yeah, year. Yeah. You know? Right. No. So, no. You know, it's, uh, Weird it's, that the ruts would be so far off in just that short distance. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe the deer weren't swinging at the same time. Or right. I don't know. Right, right, right. You probably chased them away. You're yeah. working on a riff. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, man. I, that, that's my hunting experience. I used to go out with staff paper under my coat, and I'd just climb up in the stand and hang up the gun and sit and write tunes. I was like, oh, repeat. So gun, what? The, oh. the yeah, exactly. No, the rifle was unloaded hanging on a branch behind me. Right, I, had, right, I had right. better things to do. <laughs> Well, and what will be the coda to this hunting experience? <laughs> yes. How will I sum up this hunt? Yeah. Slipped yeah. out of the deer stand. Oh, oh, I can't find my driver's license. Oh, what the? Just don't erase anything that really attracts attention. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And these guys are going to be doing a show tonight. Uh, awesome sold out show in the vein of Django's original powerhouse band. That's Two right. Two rhythm guitars, violin and bass. Quartet of the Hot Club of Wusos. <laughs> 
Hopefully we'll record the whole thing too if the computer doesn't crash. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll get something good out of that. Yeah, never right know. on. Never know. Never know. <laughs> our, our cheese grater computer we use is. Well, that's Windows 78, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's old. It's a, it's a G2 or G5, I meant. Oh, G2. Wow. That would be <laughs> G5. That's, it's almost an antique, I think. It's almost 20 years old now. <laughs> it's getting there. Yes. Um, I thought if Sam, you wanted to talk about, you know, the importance of hearing. Oh, jeez. And yeah, uh, yeah. I, I remember we had a show that was also almost sold out one time, and, and you had a terrible, I forget what it was, yeah, yeah. but you, you lost your hearing. Yeah, I can kind of go into that, which I can actually relate. I was thinking about this on the drive over. I can relate it back to Django. But 2019, I'm in a hotel room. I'm going to fly down to Florida for a high-paying corporate gig that I had, and I'm bringing my wife and my kids to go on vacation and I you know the night before uh we're me and the kids are watching old brother we're out down in the hotel I'm like oh okay you guys gotta you know dig this music it's really great and I was kind of giving them the history of some Americana music and I wake up in the morning and I just go something is wrong and I don't know what it is and uh, I things are sounding really strange and I have this plugged feeling and this this sound in my ear and I'm going what is happening you know so I'm in the shower and I'm so honking on my on my nose, trying to clear my ears and stuff, and I, I'm really not feeling good. I'm starting to feel kind of dizzy, and uh, my wife and kids are gonna fly. They're gonna fly down um, a day early, so they get off to the airport with the shuttle. And I had a gig uh, down Twin Cities area with my friend Charmin Michelle, who's oh, yeah. staying here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I get to her house. I said, I'm really having trouble with my ear. I got it's plugged or something's wrong. And she said, Oh, well, maybe go to the Rapid Clinic. So I go there, and they say, Oh, I don't know. I I can't see anything in there. And uh, we're driving to the gig, and then I just get this terrible vertigo, and I'm uh, everything is spinning for me, right. you know, and I'm feeling really sick, you know. And I I say, Just pull over. I'm gonna get sick, you know, and. I do, and finally, I said, I, I got to go to an emergency room, and I go there, and they look at me here, and they say, well, we don't see anything wrong in there visually, you know, we're not seeing any fluid, we're not seeing any anything like that. I said, okay, so, you know, it was like, you got to get to the gig, right? It's always, you got to get to the gig. Show must go on. Yeah, show must go on. So I, I'm going, oh, great, getting on an airplane with ear problems. This oh, is a boy, good, yeah. good idea, right? Oh, no, yeah. So I get in the airplane, I fly down to Florida, and I'm down there for a week, and I'm still not feeling well. I can't hear out of this ear. And I'm consulting with different friends who are physicians back home in Grand Rapids. And they're saying, well, take some Afrin, put it up your nose. I'm saying, guys, nothing's helping here. You know, and I play the gig. I do this little concert. And it was, I, got, I was playing with Duke Ellington's, the last bassist that was in Duke Ellington Orchestra. His name is John Lamb. So this sure. is kind of a high-profile gig, right? Yeah. Big deal. And I, I get done with the first set. And I say to the drummer, I step outside and I grab my wife and I say, I, guys, I think I'm having a stroke. I can't make sense of what's happening. I can't hear the music. I said, well, what do you mean? I said, I can't hear the music. I, like, I hear sound, but I can't tell what it is. They said, can you get through the gig? I said, I'll try, you know, I'll try. And so I do. And uh, finally, one of my friends down there is an older fellow who's retired, um, worked for the University of Minnesota on the uh, cardiac department. And he said, you know what, this is a medical emergency. He's a musician as well. He said, you're a musician. You need to get this checked out. So I fly home, get home, same thing, terrible vertigo. I can't keep my balance. I'm super ill. And I, I go into the doctor and they say, you need to go to an ENT in Duluth. And I said, well, when can I make an appointment? They said, you're going tomorrow. Right. So I go and I get an audio test. It was just one of the darkest drives over to Duluth in my life. So I get there and they do the beep test and I come out and I say, so what's the deal? You know, 
they told me I had fluid in my ear, and the ENT says, you're profoundly deaf in your left ear. I said, what? He said, you're profoundly deaf. He said, you're unable to hear anything in that ear. I said, well, what do I do? What surgery do, do I do? How do I get it back? And he said, I can prescribe steroids. That's about all I can do. And so I said, I'm going to Mayo Clinic. You know, this is my profession. This is my life, you know. So I, I make a, an appointment, and I have a friend who's a physician in Rapids, and she said, I'm going to call in and get you in right away. So I get down there, see an ENT. They do another hearing test. They say, yeah, you're profoundly deaf in your left ear. Said, we can do three steroid injection treatments and put you on prednisone, and there's maybe a chance that it might come back, but don't hold your breath. And so I, I went down there, and I got steroid injections in my ear with a uh, needle Ooh, in the yeah. eardrum. Oh, my God. You know, so they did that to try and save my hearing, and it uh, it didn't take. So, when yeah, when we were talking, for some reason I thought it recovered, but it didn't. No. What recovered was my brain. Okay. Yeah. So what's happened is, you know, I, I was profoundly deaf. It took me about a year and a half to get past the shock of of what happened to my brain because, you know, I've essentially lost half of my hearing apparatus. So that part of my brain is just dead because it no longer has input. That was to recover from the injury. So what happened is the cochlea, which is the nerve center of the ear, uh, the blood stream was cut off from um, a virus, probably RSV, Mm. uh, which is a cold virus that little kids got from my son from Mm -hmm. school. And uh, and then it took about another year and a half to retrain my brain to hear with one ear. So now I can do everything that I used to do, but I do it with one ear. Well, so when we were doing sound check and you're like, I got to be on this side, I was like, so I was thinking you maybe had damage, but I didn't no, realize it's gone. it never came back. That sucks. Yeah, so it never came back. So to relate it back to Django, he's kind of a profound cat for me because I found such inspiration in his music, but he lost two of the fingers on his left hand. Yeah, right. He played lead guitar with two fingers. Yeah. And I was like, okay, if you're going to do a deep dive into the Django thing, you got one ear. You're just going to have to figure it out. Yeah. And it, it took a long time. So that's that's the story of, of that. So I'm playing the show on one ear, and I've been doing that for the past five years is playing with one ear. Yeah. You have to play every gig as though it's your last. You got to treat it as the gift that it is, the gift of music. Sure. I went through a deeply dark night of the soul with the hearing loss. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate. With I, I remember when this happened. That's how, right. Yeah. Yeah, Vaco had a... Got my uh, pinky and my fretting hand crushed. And had it restructured and rebroken and mm. shaved and didn't really play. And they were, I met Jason like right when that episode was happening. I moved back here to have the surgery and I didn't really play for about a year. It was quite a ways to come back. That existential thing is a big deal, yeah, isn't it, man? It's like you realize what you've lost. You, before, you know, in my career in Los Angeles, you take it for granted sometimes. It's like, yeah, oh, man. This, this is simple things. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, how am I, if I can't use this finger, do I start playing left-handed? How do I do this? How do I do that? How can I even? Is it impossible for but, me to do that? But the brain thing too, of like the mm. muscle memory for what you're doing, yeah. and like how my brain was wired to hear sound. It's like you have to re. It's neuroplasticity. You have yeah. to rewire your brain. Yeah. I've done it on numerous things in my life, but it's it's intense, as you yeah, know. Yeah, really, it really, really is. And for me, it's like after I had the pins taken out for the first three months. I'd play and be like snap, clock, a pop, and then my finger, my, my pinky finger would swell up like a, a, a bratwurst. It was like red. I'm like, there's that existential sense of dread. It's like, yeah. is it going to be like this forever? Is it going to be this hard always? Always. Am I going to have to deal with this? Am I going to have to get shots? Because, you know, it's like 
that is not that you know swollen hand is not going to work. Yeah, you know and that that's the moment you know it it brought me to tears, man. Sitting in late yeah, at man. night going, oh fuck, what has happened to me? This this my life is everything I've done in my life in the last twenty five years. Is it been all erased? No. Precisely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I think it did for me was it just erased this sense of identity. And in a, I'm not saying I'm glad it happened, right. but there's some good things that were taken from it, which was I had this identity wrapped up in Sam, the guitar player. And I realized I was more than just that as a human being, yeah. that my worth as a human didn't have to do with how fast I could play. Yeah, right, right. That, Absolutely. that, you know, I was a worthy human being just living here on planet earth. And, uh, Dealing with disability is uh, a serious thing. You know, I live with uh, with schizophrenia as well, and I've I've battled mental illness for years. And uh, you know, I don't take any of it for granted. My my uncle is a paraplegic, and my grandmother was a brilliant piano player who was uh, paralyzed from the neck down during the polio epidemic. You know, we just went through the pandemic here, and and she lost all function. And uh, it's it's a reminder of the resilience of the human spirit. Instead of playing piano she painted with her mouth with a paintbrush in her mouth and so that dealing with disability in my family has been part of the gig all along you know my dad's brother and my mom's mom and uh and uh the the inherent worth of every human being on the planet who they are and that we need to just love and and accept people not on merit of talent or money or position but just as human beings so you can take stuff from it, you know. Yeah, that was really kind of insight too, and like you really, especially when you reach really a certain level of skill. Not that I'm particularly skillers, but you reach a certain level of skill, and you start to take that for granted. It's like when that's gone, it's like okay, that's how I was defining myself through this skill, but now that's gone. What am I? Yep. You know, yep. I'm my baker, the bass player. I'm the bass player, Royal Crumb. But who am I? Yep. You know, and that's when that's all gone. You know, and that's that's. That wakes you up, man. That's but, human stuff. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I mean, I'm, I'm still bringing it back to the hot club thing, but you know, that was Django, man. He was 18 years old. He was in that terrible fire, lost use of the pinky and the uh, ring finger and plays guitar with two fingers. Yeah. And amazingly, and, amazingly, <laughs> and better than anyone else, and doing and, it with two And he fingers. survived the Nazi occupation of France. Yeah, yeah. As, <laughs> you know. as a Romani person, he lives through the Holocaust. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't crash his car and kill himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Although he burned a few up out here. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put that oil in those cars. <laughs> oh, let's lighten it up with everyone. Pick uh, your favorite uh, favorite jazz artist. Oh boy, that's if you, if you had to try to boil it down to one. Oh boy, that's a really that is a really tough one. <sighs> or any artist. Let's make it any artist. We we it, it doesn't have to be jazz. Well, I would say if I could travel, you know, people always want to have a superpower and they want to be like Superman or Batman or whatever. I would love to be able to travel through time cuz I would like to see Louis Armstrong about 1926 or 27 when he was young and really was a young lion. That was something else. I've heard some of those recordings and that would just blow your mind. I even know I have some great bass player and Kevin Chones, a metal guy. And we had this conversation. It's like, he was the same thing. It's like, who would you go see? Would you go see like the OG Black Sabbath thing? Something. No, I would go see Louis Armstrong when he was young, when jazz was still fun. You know, the roots, everything that's come past that. And that, that would be my choice is to see, it, see you, Louis Armstrong. I would go in that time machine. 
Yeah. Jimmy, you're next. <laughs> My brain is fried out. I don't know who to pick. I mean, well, it's too hard. I'll just go with what I was listening to this morning. I started off with Les Paul. After the Ink Spots. Right. This place. Yeah. We have an Ink Spots tradition. I listen to the Ink Spots. I love morning, the Ink Spots. Les Paul this morning and Mary Ford. And yeah. yeah. Good choice. He, yeah, he had so many different amazing skills and invented so many things. So a lot of people, they think of Les Paul and they think of the guitar. They don't right. know it's an actual dude. I, I actually I, forget mm-hmm. and do that yeah. too. Yeah, I've got a lot of students. They have a Les Paul. I'm like, do you know who that <laughs> is? Yeah. Hip, hip to Bye Bye Blues or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Track recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but some people think he, you know, he cheated with all the speeding the tapes up but man he was playing till the end with what Jeez. what did he have two fingers left probably? yeah yeah and, and not he was playing a lot of us hearing either too? i don't think yeah 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 oh the two fingers yeah genius was he 94 when he died i think he looked i can't remember but it wasn't that long ago that he passed yeah. either no he had a standing gig pretty late into his yep yeah yeah too, was, like, was that at the like, iridium yeah yeah yep. played there every and tuesday everyone, or wednesday everyone would show up jeff Beck would be in the front row you know freddie green Hmm. I I would just sit and play quarter notes on my guitar for the rest of my life if I could. Yeah, master of rhythm. Yeah, Count Basie's guy, man. Yep. I think he took like one recorded solo or something like yeah. that his entire career. I love I love this concept of just the guitar being the upper extensions of the walking bass line. I'm just like harmonics of those bass strings and quarter notes. I'm I'm not gonna do one. I'm sorry. I'm breaking the rules. Oh, there's okay. no rules. There's All right, no rules. so here it is. Not in any particular order either. Django Reinhardt, Thelonious Monk, Lester Young, Bill Evans. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's a good That's one. That's it. That's it. I'm. I'm. Dang it. Maybe Joe Pass. Yeah. I do. I do like you Joe Pass. You didn't say Lenny Bro. Really? <laughs> oh dang God! How could I forget? God. Okay. All right. No, it's it's not Lenny Bro. Yeah. No, nobody said Wes either. If we got a little, <laughs> if we got a little bit of the DNA and mixed it all kind of together, we can make this. Grow the super musician. This is the superhero that you're talking about, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Joe Bro. <laughs> but all those players, when you hear them, they sound nobody sounds like them. They're That's innovative. It. They sound like That's themselves. That's it. They're right? originals. Django sounds like himself. Only a smoke. Nobody sounds like him. They just copy him. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. True innovators in the style. Mm. A lot of people claim to be, but there are a few really true innovators. Okay, being the violinist, a little bit cliche. I mean, I, I was talking with Sam about uh, the Hot Club of San Francisco, so Evan Price, in terms of contemporary musicians, is right up there for me. He's just a brilliant uh, gypsy jazz violinist and uh, crossover musician and just a great person from what I gather. You I'd love it. to meet him someday. You will. I'll and make then, it happen. You know, I'll make it happen. Oh, that's a promise. <laughs> oh, wow. Man, you heard it here first on, on the WooCast. And we're taking the time machine for my favorite Louis as well. Yeah, <laughs> and speaking of time machine, of course, Stefan Grappelli and then Hildegard of Bingen, but beyond that. Hildegard. Just... Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'll go with you okay. to meet Hildegard. Sure. A lot of a lot of comments on this this episode of the podcast about what you do as a musician and who you are and the the question of the who you are and what you do coming together in a real holistic way i think hildegard really embodies that for yeah, sure the, the historical accounts of of who she was and what she did pretty cool mm-hmm. okay your turn jason who oh well, i already louis is my favorite always always right. i have a picture this big on my wall at the house and yeah. a, a guitar player not necessarily jazz though i would love to see the hendrix Oh yeah, in his, in his time, yeah. You know, even Zappa thought he was amazing. Was Zappa, like, I'd go see Zappa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. yeah. guys, somebody like that. He was really an improviser. You know, it was a different time, of course. But I mean, and then it's like he was starting to hang out with Miles and stuff. 
So he was getting to that direction. Well, and well, I think there was like who was I was listening to an interview just the other day where they were talking about Hendrix and that there was talk of Miles and Hendrix yeah. recording together, and yeah. Jimmy died before it yeah. ever came to pass. Yeah, yeah, but there was there's oh yeah, it was Herbie. Han- I was an interview with Herbie Hancock saying yeah, that right, that was sure. going to happen. Yeah, that would have been something else, man, because he was such a nobody ever really played like him before in that way. I mean, you know, there are other blues guitars, but he took that blues playing into a different place, man, that was, you know, and it was all, so much of it was improvisational as well. Exactly. Yeah, my dad was uh, was AWOL from the Army and went to Woodstock, actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, yeah he, saw, he saw Hendrix. Yeah, and, like, man. he didn't know what he was going getting into when he just, all his buddies were like, there's this party at this farm upstate, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, right. And then it was like an out-of-body experience, of course. Here, Don't eat the brown acid. <laughs> <laughs> well, he... he he bought a hot dog on, on the other end of the muddy field, and then was Hendrix was playing. He's he's carrying the hot dogs for his friends that he bought, him. and you know, the, of course, the music was so compelling that by the time he got up to the stage, the, the food was no longer in his hand. Right, and right. Random people had he grabbed it. Sure, grabbed sure. it. Ah, he did eat the brown acid. <laughs> <laughs> or whoever took them ate the brown acid. Yeah. So gypsy jazz, like we see it every week bridging the generations like we see college age folks we see whatever age folks yeah, coming to seniors every tuesday at the ref scale yeah yeah, yeah. Right. it's 7 30 to 9 35 7 30 9 40 oh, okay that's, Why a, 9, that's 40. a little odd time well, <laughs> well, what happened with the extra 10 minutes tagged on there i yeah, want to know the weird. history of this well to be honest sam i screwed up when i sent it to the printer I didn't want to pay to have a change, so our loss, your gain, folks. I love it. We I always play it. one volume, extra song. Volume, volume. Play one extra song. And that's what happened with that extra syllable in my name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. Well, the thing we're finding is that the style, people love it. It's cross. It's very melodic and accessible. People know this music, but they don't know that it's like we're saying. Mm-hmm. We've had 20-something-year-olds. It's like, oh, this is great. You know, they, and they, they don't know really the style at all but it's like it's hitting them because it, it's kind of you know like a kids when woodblind plays for we play a lot of kids gigs and the kids are just having fun and they don't care they have no preconceived notions so it's the same effect where they don't know jazz and they hear this this is fun and melodic and it's making me happy and so they bond with it before you can put a label on it you know yeah. We well, have tons of like label things. Sam watching Sweet and Low Down and going, I gotta get into this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like it's just a visceral thing. Music is so funny because it's it's just so completely transcendent. You know, mm. it's you just it's the old uh, if it sounds good, it is good. Yeah, it's exactly. just simple as that. Vika, we were playing Jade last night, right? Uh, and I noticed uh, Eli took the solo break into Cherokee. Yeah, yeah. There was a guy playing pool in the back of the room. Right, right, right picked up his pool, pool cue and started playing the violin. <laughs> like nice. a kid. No, no preconceived, just, yeah, yeah. just doing playing. it. It's fun he watching people. in the back, yeah, yeah. playing. Nobody was watching him. Air fiddle. I haven't Air heard fiddle, of that. Air fiddle, yeah. Oh. Exactly. Pool, pool yeah. cue fiddle. It's a new thing. <laughs> That's a thing, Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not just air guitar. There, there was a, it's not just air guitar. There was a friend that used to live next door, and uh, <laughs> we'd have a rock show going on, and he would come in the back door because he literally he lived in the apartment next to the stage. Yeah. And he'd come in with a broom and just start air room and, and like dance across the room and go back to his apartment <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah man people oh, oh milt we when, it's, when it comes to music people are happy they don't do stupid things they do fun things you yeah know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly it's great because you can forget about yourself and have fun and be silly we're a great date night on tuesday nights down there man so people you know it's it's classy but it's also earthy at the same time 
it feels like a cave up. on a Tuesday. Yeah, that place certainly does. In a good way. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a happy dungeon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you don't have to Let's pay not for. dive too deep into that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not that happy. Not <laughs> San Francisco, man. No, no, that's it. <laughs> I was referring to the... Never mind. <laughs> Get a shovel. <laughs> walk away, Darren. Just walk away. Yeah. Well, should we go play some jazz? Yes, yeah. yes. Let's well, thanks so it. much, Jason, for having us. Yeah. Oh, Make thank you, guys. Thanks, Hot Club of Duluth and Sam Miltich. And, uh, thank you. Excited to see the show. Mm.